Hello and welcome to Grace Church Vienna. Today we have Elna Cironi as our special guest. Pastor El was the pastor of Grace Church for more than 10 years and currently serves as pastor in a church in Jerusalem. During his sermon, Pastor El will concentrate on the life of John the Baptist. Why did Jesus call him great? And what can we learn about John the Baptist himself and his message, motive, mission, manner, and ministry? Join us now for this sermon titled, Life Lessons from John the Baptist. Well, it's good to be with you. I feel like I was uh, coming back home, right? Uh, it's been a long time. I wanted to be with you last year, but I tried so hard. I even uh, wrote the Israeli embassy in Vienna, please let me come and go back to Israel, but I never heard from them, so <laughs> forgive me. And um, also very happy to uh, have Brother David with us from our church in Jerusalem. And we bring you greetings, by the way, it sounds like a biblical thing, from the church in Jerusalem. Sounds like, so, uh, and you know, Jerusalem's an interesting place. When you go there, uh, you know what they say in Jerusalem, when you pray, it's a local call, not long distance. So, um, it's an interesting place to be. Now, before we look into the Word of God, and I've chosen this topic because I've been preaching on it, on John the Baptist. I love John the Baptist, by the way. And uh, a very simple man with a good heart. And Jesus said about John, no one greater than John the Baptist. So I want to show some slides here, five minutes, and then uh, so you get a little introduction to what's going on, our family you know, bring back some memories and then tell you what's happening even during a year of COVID. You know, God can still work. God still is working even in the time of uh, this pandemic or whatever you want to call it. So let's look at some of these for a few moments and then go ahead. Okay, that's uh, overlooking Jerusalem. We live right near that spot there. Go ahead. And here's our family. I mean, I was a little younger then, by the way. This is a young... Go ahead. Okay, and so here are the three young ladies who grew up in this church. Uh, that actually was taken when? A few weeks ago, Billy? They're all like in the States, even though Emily is uh, living in Jerusalem. So Emily, Libby, and Allison. Go ahead. And this is, uh, of course, uh, what Libby, the violinist on the worship team, remember? So now she's got four little ones. So, uh, and Brandon, her husband, and Savannah, Ella Mae, Bo, and Claire. Okay? And here's Emily. Uh, Emily and Seth, they met actually in Iraq, of all places, doing uh, social work or whatever, and then lived in Lebanon. Little Levi was born in Beirut, Lebanon, and little, like, Theo, Theo, but we call him Theo, you know, Americanized, born in Jerusalem. So Seth is working at the Anglican school. So it's good to have the grandkids, some grandkids there. Makes us feel really good. And then uh, that's a little one. You can't see a good picture, Theo. So, and then uh, we have, go ahead. Uh, here's Allison. That's actually taken in Ghana where she was for many years and 
Mama Teresa's always there to help out. And so, go ahead. And uh, Allison is uh, traveling around the world after Ghana. She was in Vietnam and Australia now. This is in actually in South America, in Peru, right, Billy? Machu Picchu or something like that. And, okay. Then uh, this is our church, Jerusalem Baptist Church. So it's a nice structure. How many have been there? I mean, Teresa and Marie and the VCs, you know, and Humphrey, and you know. Yeah, you all come, and we invite you. You know, if you need a place to stay and you need uh, a nice meal, just uh, give us a ring, and we'll pray for you for sure. Go ahead. And this is actually our church was the only church in Jerusalem that met during COVID. And uh, even when we were couldn't meet at the Baptist house, we met on the Mount of Olives. We met here, inside, outside, the only church. And so this is a recent photo. And it's kind of like we have no more season. And uh, Dave is our resident, sometimes, sometimes trumpet player. So go ahead. And these are the ladies of the church. Actually, let me just tell you something. My interrupt here. Uh, these ladies produced a cookbook at Jerusalem Baptist Church. We have them out there. These are, you know, we don't like to um, sell things, but it's a donation. It goes to help pastors. That's uh, five shekels. Not five shekels. That would be one euro. I'm confused now. Five euro. And then you can get, uh, I have two more books since I last saw you. Uh, one on the soon return of Jesus, okay? You know, Jesus, look what I have on my Bible. What does that say? Okay, Jesus is coming soon. Reminder, okay, so that's uh, that. And then the one I just came out with, Equipped for the End Times, 10 Vital Principles for High Impact Leadership. You can find them out there. This is 10 euro. All the money goes to training pastors from around the world, Africa, you know, India, they're from all over. So it's no, no non-profit, so you can help yourself out there. All right, and that, we have, Dave knows, have known Irene for many years. She is going to be 102 next August. And uh, she, she's still serving Jesus. Irene, did you meet her? Everyone who, who was at our church met Irene. And now she's singing in a solo. I have her sing a solo once in a while. But I have to wheel her. We have to wheel her back and forth from her home in a wheelchair. But she was a famous, uh, right, Hebrew teacher. and she, Yeah, and she's been in the land like 70, over 70 years. So wonderful lady. Go ahead. And these are our African sisters. And uh, we have, uh, praise God, I was praying. We, we need a little more Africans here. So we have... UN there, and these are ladies all from the UN, Malawi, Zimbabwe, Ghana, uh, Sierra Leone, all the way, and they did a nice little routine, praising the Lord. Okay, go ahead. And this is Yoni, uh, Yoni Cohen, I think the Vises met him, we, and, uh, we baptized him, right? Uh, he's a Jewish guy, remember Cohen, that's a good Jewish name, right? And he was searching for God, he listened to some John MacArthur tapes, you know, internet, and then he found our church. I had a Bible study with him, and he said, I want to receive Jesus now. So he came to faith, 
And then on Easter Day, when the VCs were visiting, said, I want to be baptized on Easter Day. So we went back to uh, the Jordan River, baptized him, and then uh, Sean and Michael, we baptized the next day. But uh, this is Yoni. Pray for him. Uh, and then this is a girl, Haya. Uh, this is an amazing story. You know, what good could come out of COVID? Well, we were at church. Uh, a year ago, this young girl came in, all covered up, you know, uh, face mask, uh, gloves on, mask, everything, and sat down there. And, you know, I preached. And then at the end, I went to see her. I said, what's your name, Haya? And what are you doing here? What, what brought you here? Well, I'm Jewish, but I want to accept Jesus. So right there at the service, she accepted Jesus and has been coming out ever since. I mean, that's, a, that's somebody that God brought in by the grace of God. And it's not easy to be a believer in Jesus in Israel. A lot of persecution. Okay, go ahead. This is a wonderful couple that started coming just this year, Jakob and Yael. Actually, they're Swiss and German, uh, but made, uh, they have some Jewish roots, so made Aliyah, or whatever they want to call it, return to Israel. Okay? Go ahead. And then baptisms. We, we do the original baptism, not at the Danube. That's not original. <laughs> it's in Jerusalem. And Maria and Teresa, we were there, and then the Vise boys, and, you know, we were, if you want to come, we'll baptize you too. But we had a wonderful couple, uh, Ray, the small guy from the Philippines, he's a UN, they'd never been baptized, and so they wanted to before they left for Canada, and so he and a bunch of other UN people, we had the baptism, this is at the Jordan River, go ahead. Now, this is interesting, two weeks ago, I got a call from Gabriella, the one on the far left there, uh, who comes to the church, he said, my husband's coming, um, could he be baptized, and myself and uh, my son, and another, like, sure. So, they're from Haiti. So, you know, I picked him up, we went down, and tell me about, I, I said, I was very sorry about the president that was assassinated. You heard about that, right? I said, yeah, I know him. I ran against him for president three years ago. So this man may be the next president of Haiti. And when we were there, it was absolutely amazing. There were a group of Ethiopians there praising the Lord. And as I was baptized, I said, this man may be the next president of Haiti. So let's sing a song. They sang a praise song. It was so wonderful. And they prayed over him. And after he was so happy to be baptized, um, he came to the Lord. And then um, I said, you know, you don't have to worry. You may be president. But you're not going to be assassinated because you've got angels now protecting you. So you want to pray for him. His name is Clarence, okay? So he might be uh, in, in the news someday. Go ahead. These are some Arab Christian ladies that uh, I went on a trip with. I've become like a tour guide, too. A wonderful group of Christians, ladies, that have a, a Bible study, which I teach at. You know, they're older Christian ladies, and so there's nothing to worry about, Billy. Don't worry. But, but she knows them all. But they're a wonderful group of Christian believers in the old city. Go ahead. And in that restaurant, you see... Dave, you've never been here. You see, my feet are in water. You go there and you eat with your feet in the water. It's a very popular. We'll have to take you there someday. But 
It was the first time I ever experienced that. You know, something unique around the world. Okay, go ahead. And this was, Dave, did you know Israel? Very well. Yeah. So he is a Jewish believer. I met on the street. He looked like John the Baptist, right? Look at him. But he's, uh, I met him and he's a wonderful testimony. Yeah, yeah. And then he, uh, he lost his wife a few years ago. Then his, his daughter was killed in a terrorist, uh, attack in Tel Aviv. So do pray for Israel, okay? And, uh, he's very well known in America and here. Go ahead. Now you see this guy with the trumpet? That David. And that's, that's in Bethlehem. <laughs> Christmas Eve. Except for last COVID Christmas Eve, we go down and we perform on stage in Manger Square before thousands of people. And we are on television, television to millions of people in the Middle East. And so we get, oh, we, and we sing songs and in between the songs, we preach the gospel. And you know what? I even, Dave knows we sing it, do it together. We even do Jesus is a knocking. You remember that song? And share the gospel. Thousands of people. Go ahead. Yeah. And this is the Kanavati family. Pray for them. Wonderful Arab Christian family in Bethlehem. We use their hotel. They host a lot of, any Koreans, uh, they, he hosts a lot of Koreans. He's been to Korea many times. They love him. They, they consider him their father. Go ahead. And then this is Barry and Sybil. If you heard about praying for Barry and Sybil, my Jewish friends, and Barry uh, died last year, and Maria, you know, and uh, Kate, we went over there. Uh, he was in bed. This was like uh, two years ago, three years ago. Yeah. And, and I said, uh, Maria, we're going to pray over uh, Barry, but maybe we shouldn't say in Jesus' name, you know, because he's Jewish. And Mar- Maria said, Pastor, we must always pray in Jesus' name. I said, okay. So we went over there. I said, Barry, uh, we're going to pray. And Maria from Nigeria, she's going to pray in Jesus' name. Is that okay? He said, I guess it wouldn't hurt. <laughs> so we prayed over him, and he was really touched. It was amazing. And then he he uh, died last year. I, I had to go over. She called me. I had tried to resuscitate him. But um, then the ambulance came. So, but we're pray for Sybil. Uh, we see her all the time. So you know them. Dave knows them very well. Go ahead. And this is uh, Albert Einstein. <laughs> He's actually Arab guy, Khalid, at the Mount of Temptation restaurant in um, in Jericho, and pray for him. But they were so happy because we organized a tour of Shechem and the Samaritan village with 90 people around a month ago. And we were the first customers they had in 15 months. Everything was shut down. So they were so, it was like a party. They were, we had a great time. So pray for Khalid. Okay, go ahead. And this is Baidun. Yeah, he is, well, I want you to pray for him. He's a Muslim guy, but he's one of the top antiquities dealer. And he's got stuff from Abraham, Moses, you know, Pontius Pilate. He's got a seal from Pontius Pilate. He's got everything. But we've developed a relationship. And uh, it's amazing. We're like brothers now. But I'm always talking to him about Jesus. 
and it's amazing. But pray for Baidun. These are, uh, we were up in Beirut and Syrian refugees, and I met a pastor. I said, I want to do some ministry. And, you know, the, he says to me, do you have like $100? Uh, yeah, I got $100. Yeah. Well, we'll take out some Syrian ladies to KFC in Beirut. Okay, but you, before that, you can preach. So these Syrian ladies, 15 of them, I shared the gospel, you know, and they all accepted Jesus. I mean, I said, that I was amazed. And then later one, go ahead. Then we went to KFCs. So it was, that $100 was worth it all. Amen. Okay, go ahead. And this is actually Hezbollah in Beirut, or actually southern uh, Lebanon. You know, they get a lot of money from Iran. So uh, Hezbollah leaders get a lot of money and build big houses. This is a Hezbollah leader house. And I was staying with a UN guy, and that he was his neighbor. So that's where that money goes. Okay, just to let you know. This is the last slide, because uh, I, I call this the grace of God in the Middle East. God could save Jews, save Arabs, could save anybody. And so we have here uh, me, um, I guess you could say saving, you know, uh, Italian boy from New Jersey, okay? Normal guy, you know? The next to me is Milton Alvarez. He was ex-mafia. Uh, he was a, a drug cartel dealer. He was everything, uh, living with eight women at the same time. But, you know, he was going to kill himself. He met Jesus. And now he preaches the gospel, ex-mafia. Next to him is Tas Sadar. He was Yasser Arafat's hitman. He killed Israelis, Jordanians. He hated Jews. And then he came to Jesus in America. And now he loves the Jews. He has a ministry in Jericho, God, a ministry in Israel, and a testimony. And then Terry Hill that uh, Dave knows real well, one of our, he's a preacher's kid, uh, but came to, he, he's, he served the Lord for many years, but uh, went to be with the Lord. But whether mafia, ex-terrorist, normal Italian boy, or preacher's kid, God's grace is sufficient. Amen? Okay. So that's our uh, introduction to what's going on over there. And we appreciate your prayers, right? You pray for us, and we pray for you. So we're very happy to uh, co- collaborate together. Now, in um, Jerusalem, uh, there's a famous gate called Jaffa Gate. Now, Jaffa Gate is different than other gates. The other gates, New Gate, Herod's Gate, Damascus Gate, oh, that's our, no, that, that's the end. That was the new missionaries. Okay, forget about that. That's when we were looking a lot younger, right? Okay, so that's the end of the slideshow. Um, but, and Jaffa Gate's very long, very why? Why is that? Because one of the Austrian emperors, Franz Joseph, and of course I think they always called themselves the king of Jerusalem, when he, he came with a big entourage, and Jaffa Gate was too narrow. So they enlarged Jaffa Gate so Franz Joseph could enter Jaffa Gate with his big entourage. Okay, that's why it's, it's big, not like the other gates. Because, you know, the king needed 
you know, to come in with glory, right? Now, fast forward a few years, and there's a great man of God named General Allenby. After the Turks were defeated and the Germans, uh, 1917, First World War, the Brits took over as, uh, with the British mandate. And so General Allenby was going to make an entrance into Jerusalem. And they sent out flyers, okay, in Arabic and Turkish. You know, Allenby is coming. You know what? The, um, all the Muslims interpreted Allenby as Allah. So they got all the notification that Allah was coming. So they went out of the city, they went away, and there was nobody there, and it says that Allenby took over the city without a shot. But Allenby was also a believer in Jesus. And he said, I'm not going to come on, on a horse, because I'm not worthy to come in on a horse, because my Lord came in on, on a stallion, and I'm going to walk in. And he walked in and said, here I am, you know, General Allenby, a Christian man. So, you know, we have this illustration that, you know, when you have a king or a general come, there's always the, the, the one, the forerunner, the announcer, who the king is coming. And in the Bible, of course, we have the greatest forerunner, the greatest uh, announcer of the king is coming in John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist, and we're going to look at it in Matthew chapter 3. In Matthew chapter 3. And of course, uh, John the Baptist was quite a man, as Jesus said. There's no one greater than John the Baptist. Now, why was that? And we're going to look at that in a moment. But in, in Matthew chapter 3, and uh, would we have it on the board there? Or I don't know if we have it there yet, whatever. Uh, Matthew chapter 3, but we can look at it in your Bibles, whatever. And we're going to look at uh, so this, the life and the lessons we can learn from, from John the Baptist. In those days, John the Baptist came, you know, preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent because the kingdom of heaven has come near. For he is the one spoken of through the prophet Isaiah who said, A voice of one crying out, in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And John himself had a camel hair garment with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. And then the people from Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the vicinity of Jordan were flocking to him, and they were baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. And when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to the place of his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Therefore produce fruit consistent with repentance. And don't presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that God is able to raise up children for Abraham from these stones. Even now, the axe is ready to strike at the root of the trees. Therefore every tree, every tree, that doesn't produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water. But the one who is coming for repentance after me is more powerful than I. I'm not worthy to take off his sandals. 
He himself will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing shovel is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn up with fire that never goes out. So here we have, you know, the, our introduction to John the Baptist. Now, it's interesting is if you were to come to Israel, I would take you up to Ein Karim, which was the baptism birthplace of John the Baptist, and it's a beautiful place. I mean, it's like Switzerland. It's it's an amazing place, and they have the place where Mary visited Elizabeth, and, uh, you know, they were both pregnant, and the place where John the Baptist was uh, born, and, and actually where he was buried. It's a beautiful place, and you wonder, how did this guy end up in the wilderness from a city of riches in the wilderness right? Living a simple life and preaching a simple message, you know, abandoned by people, in a sense, uh, a loner in one sense, even though he did have his disciples. How did he end up there? Well, obviously, one good reason, God called him, right? And it's, it's wonderful to see that his ministry came from a, the call of God. You know, God wants to use people, Right? It says in John chapter 1 that um, Jesus was the light of the world and there was a man who was sent by God, sent from God to give evidence, give testimony to the light of the world. Okay, So here was a man. I like that phrase, a man, because he was a man uh, or woman like me and you. Nothing extraordinary. Um, yeah, he did come from probably a wealthy background, but nothing, you know, uh, extravagant, I should say. But a man who was sent with a message. Now, the man, it doesn't matter what man it was. You know, when God wants to save someone, that's his decision. He saves a man to use for his glory and honor. But he came with a message. It says, in the beginning, in those days, John the Baptist came... Preaching in the wilderness, okay? Now, it's interesting, it says in the wilderness. Now, why would he preach in the wilderness? There's no people in the wilderness, right? You know, if I were to preach, I'd preach in the city. If I were to go, like we used to in Vienna, go down to Kirtenstadt to preach, right? Now, in Jerusalem, uh, let me tell you something. It's a holy city, religious people. If you start preaching like John the Baptist, if you start preaching like we preached in Kirtenstrasse, they would stone you. They would take your Bible and rip it up. And so I think the Bible does say something about, you know, don't cast your pearls before swine and be careful. So we go to Tel Aviv, and Dave and I have been there. Tel Aviv, you know, they say Jerusalem is where you pray. Tel Aviv is where you play. And Haifa is where you work. A lot of workers up there. But Tel Aviv is a play city. You know, you know, it's a gay city too, I should say. Uh, but in, where we go, and, and Teresa's been down there, all the Africans and some drug addicts and prostitutes and Chinese are there now. It's a great place to minister because, especially on Friday night, because all the Jews are in synagogue and nobody bothers you. And you get to preach, and Dave and I used to go as roving evangelistic ministry, guitar and trumpet, up and down, preaching Jesus, and it's a wonderful experience. Now, John the Baptist went in the wilderness, 
And I think the reason why he went into the wilderness because he got the people away, people came from the religious influence of the city of Jerusalem. See, they can be away from all that bad influence. Because when you start preaching Jesus, as Jesus encountered, you know, some of your worst enemies are religious people. Right? Who did Jesus encounter? The Pharisees, the Sadducees. Right? And what did Jesus say about them? You are of your father, the devil. You are like whitewashed sepulchers, whitewashed tombs, clean on the outside, but inside full of dead men's bones. So, you know, we get a lot of uh, religious people all over, and they're the ones who give us the biggest problems. But, you know, he had a message in the wilderness for the people who weren't under the influence of the religious leaders, and the message is very clear. First of all, it says here, repent. Now, do you think we need that message today? Repent from what? Your sin. You know, all the problems in Europe, all the problems in America, all the problems in Israel. There's only one reason, sin, right? You know, all the corruption, all the lying, all this, that, and the other thing, because man is a sinner, right? And to me, and brothers and sisters, we have the solution in Jesus, and the key is repentance, turning away from sin. And turning to Jesus. And then that was part of his message too, right? Repent, turn away from your sin. And then what does he say when he saw Jesus? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Right there. That's the answer. And we used to sing that song, right? Jesus is the answer for the world today. Remember David? In the old, Dave and I go back in America a long time. We went back to Explo 72 in Dallas, Texas. We were there and we didn't know each other. That was a famous song by Andre Crouch. Jesus is the answer for the world today. And so the message is repent. The message is also, there's an interesting uh, side note here, because he preached repentance to the general population for the kingdom of heaven has come near. But he also you know, preached about Jesus, but he also had a message to the Pharisees. He wasn't afraid to preach truth. I like it when he said, when he saw the many, verse 7, Pharisees and Sadducees coming to the place of his baptism. What did he say to them? Oh, welcome. Nice to see you. What he said? Brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit consistent with repentance. I have one message, repentance. You know, who, who told you to, to, re, uh, to flee from the coming wrath? You know, let me tell you something. That is also a message we do not preach about the wrath of God. That's why I go around, not that I'm advertising all the time, Jesus is coming again soon. It's in my Bible. I put it on my guitar because uh, that's the, the motivation we have to preach Jesus because he's coming soon. The wrath of God is coming. Now, you talk about the wrath of God. Oh, you don't want to talk about hell. Do you? I mean, that, that's how, how can a loving God send people into hell? Oh, that's what some people teach. 
But you know, I tell you, even Jewish people, I love them. But they want to hear the truth. Okay? And I, sometimes, I'm sorry, if you don't like it, I'm going to tell you the truth. You remember, uh, I don't know if it's Bernie, Barney, Bernie's around, Bernie, Mariana, are they around somewhere? Uh, they were supposed to come visit us in Israel. But I was visiting uh, Mr. Franklin at the hospital. He was at Akaha. And, um, and I was with Barney, Bernie. I have another Barney, you know, Barnabas member in, in Jerusalem. I get them confused. Bernie. And so Bernie, father was there. I said, and he's Jewish, you know. Bernie came to the Lord, I think, in Israel. Uh, and uh, how you doing, Mr. Franklin? He said, fine. And how's it going here? Well, you know, here I got two different types of doctors at alcohol. I have, I have the, the, the Viennese doctors. Okay. You'll be a doctor someday. You're, you're, you're from another part, right? And, and, you know, they're kind of very diplomatic. You know, they want to tell you, you know, in nice words, you know, you're not really dying. Maybe there's hope, you know. But then you have the ones from West Austria, the Germanic ones, and they tell you directly, you're going to die. In, uh, you know, whatever, in six months. And, and I said, Mr. Franklin, I'm glad you told me that. I'm going to tell you something. If you don't accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, as your Messiah, you're going to hell. And then Mr. Franklin said, thank you. I appreciate that very much. And I'm not sure. I don't know if he might have accepted Jesus before he passed away. But that's the message. You know, the wrath of God. Repent. Produce that fruit out of which comes, you know, we preach, we preach, uh, preach the message of repentance which must lead to fruit. That's the message we look to and we preach. Then there's the motive. Why do we do this? Well, John says it right here, because the kingdom of heaven has come near you. You know, when I think about it, you know, Jesus talked about the kingdom of heaven, right? And there's three aspects of the kingdom of heaven, you can say. There is the general kingdom of heaven, and Jesus included both believers and non-believers. He had many parables about that. Even the wheat and the tares, you know. You know, you sow the seed... And then let the wheat and the tares grow up and they look like each other. The wheat sometimes is indistinguishable from the tares. And you don't know who's a believer or who's not a believer. That's part of the kingdom, general kingdom. And then at the end, the Lord will distinguish who is the wheat and who is the tares. Okay, that's general kingdom. But then Jesus talked about the true kingdom, the spiritual kingdom, right, is in you. As Nicodemus came before Jesus said, we know that you're from God, and uh, what do I do? And what did Jesus say? Unless you're born again, you can't enter the kingdom of God. That is the spiritual inner kingdom. But then, there is the kingdom to come when Jesus will return. Now, I'm living in the land, and I'm telling you, we know we're living in the land. You saw it. God is fulfilling prophecies, right? It, you know, Israel is not a mistake. It's all in the plan of God. The Jews are returning to the land according to biblical prophecy. 
It's a prosperous land. It says in the end times, Jerusalem will prosper. Is it prospering? Oh, it's prospering. New buildings, everything else. It's a modern city now. Not like when, uh, uh, what's his name? Samuel Morrison. Uh, Mark Twain. Okay? When he visited Jerusalem in 1870, he said, this place is a west, wasteland. Nothing will ever come of Jerusalem. It's a dump. And look what happened. A hundred years later, it's a paradise. I mean, it's, it's amazing to see prophecy be- fulfilled. And the kingdom of God will come. You know, we need to go back to that theme of the, Jesus is coming. John the Baptist, you know, predicted the coming of the Lord. The first coming. You know who the John the Baptist are today? Tell me. We are John the Baptist. We are warning people of the wrath to come. We are telling people, come to the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's our message. Jesus coming. You know, I think of uh, a wonderful missionary. He was finally obedient, but at first he didn't want to preach the gospel. That was Jonah. Jonah was Jewish. Okay? God called him to preach to the Ninevites who were not Jewish. They were Syrian. They were enemies. It's like telling a Jew today, go and preach to the Iranians, your bitter enemy. And you know what Jonah thought? I'm not going to preach to them. I want them to go to hell. I don't want them to repent. They're my enemies. And so, you know what Jonah finally learned his lesson. Sometimes we too were called, we disobey. I hope we don't end up in the belly of a whale or another situation. You know, God, I remember uh, even at seminary, um, I was, I was going to kill myself, not kill myself, but kill myself working 80 hours a week um, on a summer job. And, you know, God uh, didn't like that too much. I was going to do anything else, but maybe go to church a little bit. And I end up in a car, in a, in a wreck, you know, broken vertebrae, all this kind of things, and incapacitated. And that was the kind of my Joan experience. Okay, don't do that. I want you to serve me. And, um, you know, it's amazing. I could have been killed just like that. That was the time they didn't have seatbelts. I was in a truck working for a company and went under a bridge that was too low for the truck. And I ended up in the hospital. But uh, I came back home. I didn't have a wife to comfort me. <laughs> and, and no mama. So they had to basically fly me home to be get some medical treatment. And after I, they diagnosed my broken vertebrae and all that, I was in bed. And, you know, I was listening to radio. And a girl was giving her testimony, Johnny Erickson. You know what happened to Johnny? She fell, dove in, and was paralyzed. And I started to cry. I said, Lord, that could have been me. You spared me. I'm not paralyzed. I'm not dead. Lord, here I am. Anything you want me to do. That's amazing. You know, and Jonah, he had his experience. And Jonah obeyed, finally got up, and obeyed the Lord, you know, even though reluctantly, 
And he went in and he started to go throughout Nineveh preaching, the wrath of God is coming, repent. That was the message they needed to hear. And God had, in a sense, ordained judgment for them, but God is a God of the second chance, right? God loved the world. He gave his son Jesus to die for our sins. God always loves the sinner and doesn't want anyone to perish, but that all should come to repentance. And here Jonah obeyed the Lord, went to Nineveh, started preaching. Nineveh will be overthrown. And then it says here, the people of Nineveh believed in God, and they proclaimed a fast in sackcloth and ashes. And when the king of Nineveh heard, he ripped off his royal robe and put on sackcloth and ashes. Then he issued a decree, let all men not eat. Let us all turn to God. And they turned to God. And there was revival in Nineveh because a one-time disobedient prophet went and obeyed God, preached the gospel and the wrath of God, and people came to the Lord, and there was revival in Nineveh, and that revival lasted hundreds of years. In fact, Brother Andrew White, you know, remember Andrew White, the bishop of, uh, he's not a Catholic, Anglican of Baghdad, he said today that the most of the Christians in Iraq come from Nineveh. And there's a church in Chicago now, which is comprised of Ninevites. You know, so that revival has lasted. All because one man obeyed God, preached sin, repentance, and turning to God. That's what we need to, that's the message. That's the motive, because the king is coming. And of course, then there's the mission. And his mission was a very clear mission. I am the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare you the way of the Lord. That's what we're doing. We're crying out to Vienna, to Salzburg, to wherever, to Austria, to Hungary, all of Europe. The Lord is coming. We're preparing the way of the coming of the Lord. That's simple. I don't care if COVID or not COVID. You have a mask on. You can still speak, right? You can still pray, right? You know, you can... God could use you. God gives opportunities. It's amazing the opportunities that God gives you to share the Lord. And that's our our mission. But also, we, we read about John the Baptist, not only the man, the message, the motive, his mission, but the manner. How did he come? And he was a very simple man, as we know. He came in. Um, he didn't display a lot of eloquence or a lot of elegance. And what does it say there? You read in the passage, right? What did he eat? Tell me what he ate. What did he eat? Locust and... Yeah, simple food. What did he dress? Did he have a nice suit and coat on, tie? What What did he have? Camel? What? What? Simple, right? Yeah. He didn't look like uh, a queen or a king or whatever. You know, very simple Simple man uh, with a message. You know, he didn't live like some, excuse me, prosperity gospel preachers who have to have two or three jets, nice air, nice airplanes, uh, nice limousines, nice Mercedes, you know. 
Oh, preaching, send your money. Send your money in here. You know, God's got to prosper you. So, no, listen. I, I, I like Jesus, right? He, even though he was rich, he was from glory, he became a man. Gave up all the glory of heaven to become a humble servant like us. Living in, almost in poverty. And Jesus said, you know, Lord, I'll follow you. Wait, wait a minute. The birds have nests. Okay? The foxes have holes, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Yeah. Friends, that's Jesus. Yeah, we don't, are we gonna be, I'm not saying give up your home, give up your car. You know, I'm not saying give up some, the nice things. God will always provide, but you don't have to worry about it, right? And I love C.T. Studd. He was a missionary in Africa, and he was a rich guy. He was a, a great cricketer. You know, cricket? We, I see cricket every Saturday in Jerusalem. All the, the workers from uh, Sri Lanka play cricket at the park, you know? And I, I say, I play baseball. Give me that cricket. I'll try my... But uh, he was a cricketer, very wealthy, and um, he was called to go to Africa, give it up. Now, he talked to his wife, and he said, we're going to go to Africa, so uh, we have all this money, so let's give it all away except for $25,000, okay? And you know what his wife said? Didn't Jesus say give it up all? Give it all up? Yeah, you're right. So he gave it all up and went to Africa, and God shook a continent. And I like what John Wesley, you know John Wesley, um, Methodist Church, you know. John Wesley, one time, and he had a lot of money. He had some, you know, a few houses. One of his homes burnt down. And you know what? Somebody said, Mr. Wesley, your house is burnt down. You know what he said? Well, that's okay. That's one less thing to worry about. You know, he, he didn't wear much, John the Baptist. You know, we're so close conscious. And uh, it's, it's amazing. We, we, we have to have the right uh, clothing to wear. And this is not a lecture. This is not a sermon on modesty. You know, I remember when we did the ball here, uh, the military ball with our girls, uh, it was the first ball. Uh, I didn't have any money, military ball, um, to buy a nice uh, tuxedo. You know, I think it, to rent 200 euro, to buy like 2,000 euro. So the best thing to do, I prayed. I went to Humana. Humana, is that the name of the, you know, cheap stuff? And uh, you, I couldn't believe I found not only a tux with, with tails <laughs> and cummerbund. Every, everything fits so well. And I was so happy, cummerbund, tie, you know, tails going into that military ball. Oh, man, I, I was like, uh, wow. And it was the military one. So they had the generals and everybody else there. And uh, so we were waiting for my daughter to come out with her escort. And I was next to an Austrian general and uh, a French general. And we're talking to the Austrian general. And we had a nice conversation. And then all of a sudden he said to me, you know... To me, you look very strange. <laughs> because, you know, with the tails, you don't wear a cummerbund. You wear a vest. And you don't wear a black tie, you wear a white tie. 
And then your shoes are supposed to look as shiny as the French general's shoes. I said, oh, no. But he said, that's all right. You're an American. You didn't know these things. <laughs> but, you know, I felt bad. But it doesn't matter. You know, let me tell you, as a Christian, as a believer, you know, we are to cl be clothed with Christ. It doesn't matter what you wear. Be modest. Be decent. I understand that. But we are to put on Christ. We are to put on the full wardrobe of a soldier, the armor of God, from head, helmet of salvation, breastplate, shield of faith, you know, shoes fit for preaching the gospel. That's the clothes we put on. So it doesn't matter. And then, of course, there's the ministry, and he was had the wonderful ministry of baptizing Jesus. He didn't want to do it. He said, I'm not worthy. No, let's fulfill all the commandments. I must be baptized. I must identify myself with the Jewish people. That's why he baptized Jesus based on confession of faith because Jesus didn't need to confess his faith. But it was to fulfill all righteousness. And so baptism, not, not that we're saved by baptism, becomes a symbol of our faith in Christ, obviously. And I like it too because he had a wonderful attitude. In fact, it's one of the things why I believe Jesus called him great. He's a humble man, right? Humility. I'm not worthy to untie his sandal. I'm not worthy to baptize you. He must increase, I must decrease. And I believe that's the secret of his ministry, of his greatness, because he was a humble man. He came obeying the Lord, humbling himself, and not like, what is humility? Um, and of course, he was willing to give himself for the Lord. He was martyred. His head came off. Willing to confront Herod. But he humbled himself. And that's the key. You know, humility, I was reading in, in Isaiah, just I think this morning or the other day, this is the one whom I will look, the one who's humble and contrite and who trembles at my word. You know, we get a lot of Russians coming to Israel. Like, I, I know one word. Any Russians here? How many studied Russian? Slava Bogu. You know what that means? Praise the Lord. That's all I know, by the way. Uh, but in a Russian church, you know the number one characteristic, quality, or criteria to be an elder in a Russian church? Brokenness and humility. Now, when I was um, coming out of seminary, my pastor came up to me and he said, Al, you, you got a problem. Oh, no. You think too highly of yourself. You know, it's like seminary. You learn all this knowledge. Knowledge puffs up and love edifies. It's, you think too highly of yourself. And he said, Al, you need a wife. Thank God for wives who can keep you in place, right? 
And you know, not only humility that made him great, he was filled with the Holy Spirit, he knew self-control, he um, was fearless in his proclamation of the word, and don't we need men and women who can fearlessly proclaim the word today without fear? And, of course, he won many people. He was attracting people left and right to the message of the gospel. And I liked what somebody said about John the Baptist. I'll close with this, but, you know, talking about humility. And I hope that God could teach us humility, you know, be humble before the Lord. It's not like humility, oh, I'm a nothing I'm a nobody, you know, you get down on yourself. No, that's not true humility. True humility is knowing who you are. And John the Baptist knew who he was because he said, oh, I'm a nothing. He didn't say, I'm nothing. He said, I am the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare you the, the way of the Lord. Now that's something. And you are something, because you're the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, and you prepare you the way of the Lord. But we know who we are, but we also know who made us, who made us like we are. Did you deserve it? Did you deserve it? Did we deserve any? No, it all comes from the gracious hand of God. His calling was from God. He was a sinner like the rest of us. My calling from God, your calling from God. We were all sinners deserving hell, but by the grace of God, God saved us and called us to be his witness. So I pray that today, let's look at John the Baptist. Let's humble our hearts before him, before the Lord. Say, Lord, I'm, I'm nothing, but thank you that you made me something. You may be somebody, the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. It's only by your grace, Lord. And Lord, here we are, and I ask you to use us for your glory. Make us an instrument of your peace. Here we are, Lord. Send us as you sent John the Baptist. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.